Continue on this Tuesday. I'm sorry, it's a Thursday. I didn't mean to scare anybody. Thursday, the 7th of September. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, make us know your ways. We pray for those who've been disappointed by their loved ones. Fill them with hope in you. We pray for those who seek the truth. Guide them to the fullness of faith in you. We pray for the aging. Keep them always in your love. O God, our Father, you sent your only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to be our way, our truth, and our life. At this morning hour, we lift our hearts to you in prayer and ask that you guide us through this day according to your will. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. We'll talk to Dr. Jim Schrader about uh, appreciating and supporting teachers. Uh, Some of you have uh, met the new teachers for your students this year. Some of them are our teachers you already know because they've already gone through a couple of your kids. But uh, some some great thoughts from Dr. Schrader this morning on supporting those teachers who should be our allies in the classroom. We are kind of the primary educators, but it helps to have help. Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English in the Liturgy will join us for more liturgical translation fun. These are always fun segments to me. Uh, Mike Aquilina will discuss Gregory the Great, whose feast is right here at the beginning of the month of September, had it over the weekend. And then we'll talk about ways to pick a good pastoral counselor, therapist, uh, mental health professional to help you with what you're dealing with. And Kevin will lay out some criteria based on his own experience in that field. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has called for the month of October to be dedicated to praying for Ukraine. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins has more. Insisting that there is a need for more prayer for conversion and an end to the conflict in Ukraine, Pope Francis expressed his desire that during the month of October, especially in Marian shrines, the rosary will be dedicated to peace and reconciliation in Ukraine. The appeal came during a meeting with the bishops of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church who are holding their annual synod in Rome. At the beginning of the nearly two-hour encounter, the Pope was greeted by Major Archbishop Sviatoslav Shevchuk, who recalled the painful situation in which his country finds itself, with an increasing number of dead, wounded, and tortured people, and who thanked the Pope for the affection shown in so many ways and on so many occasions. A statement from the Holy See Press Office noted that, following the greetings from Major Archbishop Shevchuk, several of the assembled bishops shared with the Pope their stories of the suffering that the Ukrainian people are experiencing in different places and in different ways. The Holy Father listened attentively to their testimony and, with some brief interventions, expressed his feelings of closeness and participation in the tragedy that the Ukrainians are experiencing with a dimension of martyrdom that is not spoken about enough, subjected to cruelty and criminality. He also spoke about his sorrow for the sense of helplessness experienced in the face of war, which he ascribed to the devil who desires to destroy. Pope Francis turned his thoughts especially to the Ukrainian children he has met. 
They look at you and have forgotten their smile, he said, adding that this is one of the fruits of war, to take the smiles away from children. Finally, Pope Francis recalled the example of Jesus during the Passion, who did not remain a victim of insults, torture, and crucifixion, but bore witness to the courage to speak the truth, to be close to the people so that they would not be discouraged. This is not easy, the Pope said, but this is holiness, and people want to be saints and teachers of this way that Jesus taught us. I'm Devin Watkins. The U.S., meanwhile, is providing more than $1 billion of new assistance to Ukraine. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made the announcement during his trip to the Ukrainian capital of Kyiv yesterday. The commitment includes more military resources for Ukraine's counteroffensive, as well as financial and humanitarian aid. The announcement came hours after 17 people were killed in a Russian strike on an eastern Ukrainian city. Pope Francis has said, I've been to the heart of Asia and it's done me good. He was speaking during his general audience yesterday, reflecting on his trip to Mongolia. The Holy Father said it was good for me to meet the Mongolian people who cherish their roots and traditions, respect their elders, and live in harmony with the environment. They are a people who peer into the sky and feel the breath of creation. President Biden is heading overseas today. He's due to fly out of Joint Base Andrews this afternoon and route to India, where he will be attending the G20 summit. Following the summit, the president is scheduled to visit Vietnam on Sunday. New projections are showing that Hurricane Lee could make it all the way to the East Coast. Mark Mayfield has more. The hurricane formed over the Atlantic Ocean on Tuesday and is expected to strengthen into a Category 4 storm by Saturday with wind speeds of up to 150 miles per hour. A European forecast model predicts the storm will stay out at sea and not make direct landfall with the U.S. However, the American model shows Lee hitting the edge of Cape Cod and heading up into Canadian waters. Hurricane Lee could strengthen into a Category 5 storm as temperatures in the Atlantic are warmer than usual. I'm Mark Mayfield. An effort is underway to get in an American who's been trapped inside a cave in southern Turkey for several days. Rescuers received a call Saturday saying Mark Dickey was suffering gastrointestinal bleeding and needed help. He's said to be inside the cave at a campsite around 3,400 feet from the entrance. While Dickey's condition is stabilizing, he'll need a stretcher to be removed. Officials are calling the effort one of the largest cave rescues in the world. Dickey had been helping to lead an international expedition in the cave. And using the Internet is now being linked to cognitive benefits to older people, according to some new research. A study out last month in the Journal of American Geriatrics Society found that people between 50 and 65 who use the Internet regularly see their chances of developing dementia drop by nearly 9%. People using the Internet for more than two hours a day, though, saw their risk for dementia increase. So there you go, Matt. We got a sweet spot. Well, okay. Two hours or less. That's fine. Between I wish 50 I could and be on, 65. I wish I could look at screens for two hours or less every day. I know, right? That'd be amazing. Do you have one of those? My phone on Sundays sends me like a little, a little report, uh, a little report about my my screen usage. My phone's not the issue, and it's always such a like it's really exciting when it's like you used your phone two hours less than last week. 
No, it's the uh, it's the computer screen that I stare at for at least four hours every morning just for radio purposes. Mm-hmm. And then I go on to the other job. Yeah. I like to run around the block a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go like walk outside. See, I thought that you were just making that stat up because I don't know about you. I get all these weird ads for like word games and stuff where mm-hmm. it's like. This Doctors so are healthy. begging people over 70 to play this one simple word game. <laughs> I well, don't think... I've never had my think... doctor beg me to play a word game on the internet. Well, yeah, I think on the internet would be the key phrase there. I do think word games help you. Like, you know, you do crossword puzzles or word searches or well, I do anagrams agree that there is... or the... Or there do, is some, like, some balance Sudoku? to be struck because, you know, the Internet is making some people smarter, but the Internet is definitely making some people dumber. Well, yeah, especially those who are younger than 50. Yeah. So. And who are on for more than two hours. Yeah. You are not kidding. You are not kidding. Get outside and play today, kids. Touch grass. Exactly. Today is Thursday, September the 7th. Happy to have you along with us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's nine past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. James Schrader. He writes for the National Catholic Register and Alatea. You can find all of his writings and his podcasts online at james-schrader.com. Good morning, Dr. Schrader. Yeah, good morning. It's good to have you back. Now, you wrote uh, a while back for Alatea this lovely little piece expressing gratitude for a bunch of teachers who helped make you who you are today. Can you give us a little overview? Yeah, I was kind of nearing the end of my marathon training, and it was a rainy kind of 41-degree morning. And I had plenty of miles that day. I think I had 15 miles. And so um, part of my route that I had planned on taking was taking me over to the west side of Evansville and through Sacred Heart Church parking lot next to the church and then the school uh, they used to use more. And so that was the, that was the plan today, uh, that day, and I didn't necessarily have the uh, idea that this reflection would come to mind, but that's where I started it off. Can I just ask, how old are you? You remembered all of these names. <laughs> I'm 46. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. You know, I it was so it was such a neat experience. I had, uh, like I said, planned on going through and looping through the church there. And as I was going through, I, I walked for about 100 yards, kind of out of the parking lot. And um, instantly, I almost really envisioned myself as a little boy. I, w- I was a scary little kindergartner who walked in that first day. And I really remember this. I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, like, I'm not going to know where to go. I'm not going to have friends, you know. And I just remember from the very beginning, um, just, you know, like Mrs. Hillenbrand was the teacher that year in kindergarten. And Mrs. Blind was the aide. And um, they were such just wonderfully happy, joyous people. And I remember feeling within a few days, like, okay, I think, I think it's going to be okay. I think it's going to be okay. I, I was the, I'm the oldest kid in the family, so I was kind of the guinea pig there. So, um, But I felt that very much so. I still remember your kindergarten teacher's name, and, and you've got a whole litany of names of your teachers in this piece. I mean, as, as teachers are getting ready and, and geared up, and, and many of them already entering into this new school year, Dr. Schrader. I mean, what would you tell them about the potential impact that they can have on their students for good or for ill? That yeah, I would tell them they have way more impact, I think, than they give themselves credit for. Um, you know, again, all the way back to the early, early years, 
little things that were introduced, you know, Mrs. Stoll, for example, she um, introduced, this is before the internet, of course, but mm-hmm. she introduced the idea of pen pals, and we had uh, pen pals from Hawaii. And for a kid who'd never been outside of, you know, much of the region for the most part, and, you know, we'd take travels down south a little bit, but Hawaii was this, like, foreign, exotic place. And the idea of getting these letters from people and seeing the different things going on there, like, really opened up my eyes. It really was such a cool experience. Um, Again, all these years later, I remember it very vividly. And um, I think that, you know, coming from a family of teachers, my mom's been a teacher lifelong, and uh, my wife's a teacher in and out of our home and stuff. I think that I just have such tremendous respect for all of you um, because if you've ever stepped in a classroom at any given point, you know, it's not just the aspect of teaching that can be challenging, but it's the aspect of management of the classroom, how challenging that can be. You know, whenever you're in the midst of a teacher of all that toil, you sometimes probably wonder, gosh, is this, does this matter? But, you know, walking through that, you know, 30 to 40 years later, I just vividly thought, oh, I was in those places and I was really um, swept into such a positive existence there. So, yeah, I mean, especially in those early years, you know, I still remember Mrs. Wolf, my first grade teacher, Mrs. Bowling, my second grade teacher, Mrs. <laughs> Biting, my third grade teacher. Do you I mean, remember you... your teachers too? Oh, there yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because they, I mean, you spend so much time with them. I mean, they, they become nurturers almost, almost like parents. They do. I mean, that's really the thing. Like I was describing being really scared walking in that first day. I mean, they are. They're, they're another aspect of parent, um, another parent that you never thought you were going to have until you walked into their classroom. And so um, that's the amazing thing about the profession. I think it's not really a profession, of course. It's a calling for most people is that you take these kids in and you see them grow up in front of you. I mean, I can only imagine the experience. It's, it's funny. I still keep in contact with some of the teachers, even the ones that are mentioned here in this article, it's really amazing to see how much they care for you, not just when you're in the classroom, but even decades beyond that they are still kind of tracking to see what's going on and um, in different ways. And so the heart of a great teacher is um, indefinable, you know, it's, it's really, but it's indefatigable too. I think that those who really love that profession and embrace it never tire, even if they get frustrated and challenged by what goes on. It's really incredible. Uh, so can you talk to parents for a minute? I mean, what sort of support do our kids, teachers need in order to best form our children to be what God wants them to be. I mean, we are entrusting them with a lot. So how do we support them? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So I think the biggest way we support them is to make sure that if we ever have difficulties with what's going on or concerns in the classroom, that we do what we should do, which is to take it to them and and approach them about something. But I think one of the things we have to be really careful these days, and I see this a lot uh, in my profession, is that we can't disparage and degrade our teachers for things they're doing that we might not like in front of our kids without, obviously, we have to vet this first with the the person themselves. And I really worry that in many ways the teachers that are are teaching today feel like they're constantly, I don't know, having to go battle um, against the parents who've already been talking to the kids about all the things that are wrong. And so Mm -hmm. the kids walk in the classroom and they have this opinion. And I can't only imagine how hard that makes it for a teacher to do their job. And so um, I think we need to make sure that we understand it's a tough job. And if you have something that you don't like, then come to me as a teacher, but please don't disparage in front of your kids because that's just not a healthy thing. Absolutely. It's a rule that I have in kids with my husband 
I don't disparage yep. my husband in front of them. I don't disparage their teachers in front of them, especially figures of authority to make sure that children maintain that respect for their authority. Such a great point, Dr. Schrader. We've got james-schrader.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. You can go read his piece about the teachers who helped make him who he is today. And we are grateful that you argue, Dr. Schrader. Thank you so much. Grateful for all of you, too. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Dr. Schrader. All right, it's 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Why do we need Catholic Radio? Because not everybody's sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? Catholic Radio's there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic Radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question-and-answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology. I myself, as a priest, am always learning. Father Wade thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. 18 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has called for the month of October to be dedicated to praying the rosary for Ukraine. President Biden is heading overseas today for the G20 summit in India. And the Holy Father yesterday during his general audience had prayers for those who perished in a devastating fire in South Africa. News at the top and bottom of each hour every week, every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. As we continue through this month of September, um, it is kind of a a weird week. Hopefully, everybody's kind of figuring out where their bearings are. Matt, can I make a comment about something that at the end of my uh, conversation with Dr. Schrader? Absolutely. I kind of had in my head, there was this video, I don't know if you saw it, it I think it went viral, of, um, it was like this school kid who had a backpack with one of those don't tread on me patches that oh, apparently yes. he had been told to remove and, you know, a parent got involved and there was this argument anyway. Was the, that a real thing or a political cartoon? I don't, well, that's a good question. So the video. I saw a political cartoon. It looked like there was, um, it looked like cell phone video, what I saw. And you hear the parent kind of arguing back and forth with the teacher and the kid is sitting right there. 
and the kids looking very smug because the teacher didn't know the origins of that patch. She apparently thought it was from the Confederacy or something. But the parent is like lecturing the teacher about the origins of this and why the student should be allowed to keep it on the backpack. And the kid there who looked to be, I don't know, 11, maybe like Zeke's age, was just sitting there with this smug look on his face. And there was a lot of comments like, look at this dumb teacher and how much smarter this kid is. And I sat there and I was thinking, you know, what is that really teaching this kid right well, now? Unfortunately, as Deacon Stephen Gray Donis would say, there's kind of like a junior knows best trope. There's already a junior knows best trope in children's film and television culture mm-hmm. that's like your parents are dumb, but you're smart and cool. There's a manifestation of that in the classroom as well, right? Yeah. And uh, what I are we just, doing? It's really unfortunate. You don't want your kids to reject all authority. Every hour of every day, there's over 50 minutes of solid Catholic teaching on Sacred Heart Radio. Whether we're discussing the Catholic perspective on current issues, reflecting on the heroic life of a saint, or spending an hour in prayer, every hour of every day, Sacred Heart Radio is broadcasting the good news of our salvation through Jesus Christ because of the generosity of listeners like you. Thank you. To join in this mission, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Donate. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support us from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Well, some of you, if you recall, back a little over a decade ago, we had some uh, changes that were administered to the liturgy and some stuff changed in what we say at Mass. And one of the things that was key to change was that we stopped saying, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, and instead started saying, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. And some people were like, well, that was kind of a strange change. We're going to get behind it a little bit today with Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English in the Liturgy, which had a little something to do with that change in the language. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning. So 
when it comes to this particular phrase in the liturgy, I mean, I guess the opening question could almost be like fourfold. Like, where does this phrase come from? What does the Latin say? What do we used to say? And why do we say what we say now? <laughs> yeah. So those are, those are the four, the four elements. Yeah, that's, that's well put, Matt. So um, it, you might, uh, with this new translation, you might recognize more readily uh, the, the background where this text comes from. It's actually a, a, a slight adaptation of Matthew chapter 8, verse 8, which um, is a, a, a gospel passage that comes up in the liturgy, in the lectionary readings, I think for the first Sunday or first Monday of Advent. So we actually get this gospel reading in the liturgy at Mass for daily Mass. Um, and it might also come up in a, in a Sunday Mass. Um, but it's uh, the centurion approaching our Lord and, and asking him to come and heal his servant. Um, and, and Jesus is, says he's going to come, but then the, the centurion says, I, I don't want to trouble you. I, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Only say the word and my servant shall be healed. So that's what the gospel reading is. And the liturgy takes that text and it alters just the one word. Instead of saying servant, we say soul. Uh, so the Latin text of in the liturgy is only one word different from uh, from the scripture uh, passage in, in Matthew 8. Um, so the Latin text does literally say, uh, subtectum meum, under my roof, uh, because that's the expression that the centurion used uh, about welcoming Jesus into his home. So, uh, so that's sort of where the text comes from. Um, and the, the Latin hasn't changed from 1970. Actually, before 1970, it was part of the, uh, the older form of the Mass, but in 1970, with the with the new form of the mass, uh, the Latin text was was the same as it had been, and and it's been the same ever since. So the Latin hasn't changed over the last 40 or 50 years, even though the English translation has. So that that should answer the question of where did the text come from and and sort of what does the Latin say. Um, yeah. I, I can tell you this that well, you and I both come from generally Methodist worlds, and uh, the first time I heard. Lord, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. I thought, what a beautiful sentiment. Uh, what a beautiful thing yeah. to express before receiving communion. Uh, but if I were to have walked in as a Methodist under the current translation, I'd been like, hey, you guys stole that from the Bible. <laughs> right? I mean, it's <laughs> exactly. so obviously like a reference to this passage, this exchange from scriptures, the way that it's worded now, even though the previous sentiment was very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, when, when the, when the new translation first debuted, I was an altar server uh, at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. And uh, I remember I was serving it that Monday of the first week of Advent. So it was you know, the second day that we were using the new translation. And this gospel passage was the gospel passage for Mass that day. And uh, the priest who was celebrating Mass, who, who was not a new priest, he'd been a priest for about 30 years, uh, he started off his homily by saying, admitting that when the new translation came out of that prayer, he had been a little puzzled by the wording under my roof until he was preparing the readings for Mass that day. And he realized for the first time as a priest that this prayer we pray every Mass is lifted straight from the gospel. That had been a, a new realization for him, even though he was a priest and had, you know, been praying and, and reading this as part of the lectionary for however many years. So I think it does, the new translation does 
um, bring out a little more clearly uh, the biblical background to this prayer. Well, it also brings into uh, into mind the the line from Chesterton where he says something to the effect of, you know, you can see something uh, for a thousand times and be dangerously, you know, close to seeing it for the first time. Right, <laughs> right? exactly. It, yeah. When it comes to some of these things. But, you know, as we're pondering this, and this is, you know, you're a translator and I'm a radio host, so we can only get so much as at the uh, at the spiritual depth of what it is that we're really asking. But but what is it that we're asking when we are, are preparing to receive the Eucharist by saying that we are not worthy for uh, to receive the Lord under our roofs? I mean, like what what is what should that be getting us to think about? I, I think that uh, it, it gets us to think about a lot of things. I mean, it, it, it gets us to think about our body as as a kind of house. Right. I mean, if we're if we're referring to um, under our roof, when we mean receiving him into our body, um, that gets us to think about our body as a house. And maybe that makes us think of other scripture passages where, you know, the the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Or it might get us to think about, um, you know, the body of Christ. And um, there would be any number of uh, spiritual and biblical associations with that kind of metaphorical language. Um so I think it's 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 asking Christ for His grace to to overlook the fact that we're not worthy, but and, but also to to speak a word um, to speak His word to heal us. Yeah, and um, for you and I as evangelicals, we knew that language of Jesus making a home in our heart, right? I mean, these yeah. are these are words that 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 resonate deeply with what it means to have a relationship with Christ. So. Great stuff this morning. Uh, we've got the International Commission for English in the Liturgy, ISIL, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, where you can go find out more. Dr. Lewis, thank you as always. Have a wonderful thank day. Thank you, Matt. You too. And hopefully next time you hear that passage in the Mass, you'll be like, hey, I know a little bit more about it. And uh, it might jump out to you a little bit better at the next liturgy you attend, maybe this morning. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has called for the month of October to be dedicated to praying for Ukraine. Vatican News reports the Pope joined the Synod of the Hierarchy of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church, where the bishops told him about the suffering of their flocks in Ukraine and asked for more prayer. The Holy Father said there is a need for more prayer, for conversion and an end to the conflict. And he expressed his desire that during the month of October, especially in Marian shrines, the rosary be dedicated to peace and reconciliation in Ukraine. During his general audience yesterday, the Pope reflected on his recent visit to Mongolia. He said it did him good to visit the heart of Asia. The Pope began by asking why a Pope would go to a nation with such a tiny flock. And he answered saying, because it is precisely there far from the spotlight that we often find the signs of the presence of God who does not look at appearances but at the heart. Also during his general audience, he offered prayers for those who died in a tragic fire recently in Johannesburg, South Africa. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Pope said, with deep sorrow, I learned of that fire that broke out in a five-story building in the city center of Johannesburg, South Africa, in which more than 70 people died, including several children. The Pope invited all those following in presence and online to join him in praying for the victims. 
ai familiari esprimo il mio cordoglio. He said to the family members, I express my condolences and I send a special blessing for them and for those who are working to provide assistance and support. At least 73 people died and 43 were injured in the fire in a five-story building in the city's financial district on the 31st of August. The fire broke out around 1.30 a.m. The city authorities did not clarify what the possible causes might have been. According to eyewitnesses, the fire started when the power was out. One witness recounted that the fire started during a power outage and that there was a loud gunshot-like noise followed by a loud explosion. Some of the survivors described how they jumped out of windows, but only after tossing their children to others below. The rundown compound was among numerous properties seized by organized crime and property syndicates who subsequently and unlawfully leased the premises to individuals unable to afford alternative accommodations. And often lacking dependable facilities or proper sanitation, these places present dire living conditions. There are 57 complexes that have been hijacked in the inner city of Johannesburg there, where up to 2,000 people can live in a single complex. In the aftermath of the latest deadly blaze, people are wondering how such a thing could have happened. I'm Thaddeus Jones. New projections show Hurricane Lee could make it all the way to the East Coast. The hurricane formed over the Atlantic on Tuesday and is expected to strengthen into a Category 4 by, 4 by Saturday with wind speeds up to 150 miles per hour. A European forecast model predicts the storm will stay out at sea and will not make direct landfall with the United States. However, the American model shows Lee hitting the edge of Cape Cod and heading up into Canadian waters. President Biden is heading overseas today. He's due to fly out of Joint Base Andrews this afternoon en route to India, where he will be attending the G20 summit. Following the summit, he's scheduled to visit Vietnam on Sunday. Meanwhile, in Washington, the Senate will start moving a package of government funding bills next week. Lisa Taylor reports. It comes as Congress is racing to avoid a shutdown at the end of this month. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he expects the first votes on Monday. The top Democrat urged Republicans in the House to follow the Senate's lead and work with Democrats. A group of House conservatives says it would oppose any funding bill that does not include conservative policy priorities on spending levels, the southern border, and the Justice Department. I'm Lisa Taylor. The judge hearing the case accusing former President Donald Trump and 18 others of conspiring to overturn Georgia's 2020 presidential election will not sever the cases of two co-defendants. Fulton County Judge Scott McAfee yesterday denied motions by attorneys Kenneth Cheesebro and Sidney Powell to sever their cases from each other. But the judge was skeptical of the district attorney's plan to begin a trial for all 19 defendants beginning next month. That's the news. It's 35 minutes past the hour. your money where your heart is. Do business with someone who shares your faith and values. From Sacred Heart Radio's Angels List of Underwriters. And don't forget to tell them where you found out about them. Go to sacredheartradio.com and click Angels List. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating and Air. Water heaters, plumbing repair and drain cleaning backed by Schneller Knockelman's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Schneller Knockelman at skpha.com. skpha.com. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. 
This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Thursday, September the 7th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Got some rain possibilities today, but also a cool down. Right now, temperatures in the mid-60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be partly to mostly cloudy today with some isolated afternoon showers possible in a high of 79 degrees. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 62. Partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 78 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mostly cloudy with a spotty shower possible today. A high of 77 degrees. Evening shower possible, but otherwise mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low near 60. Partly cloudy with a slight chance of a shower tomorrow and a high of 75 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Mike Aquilina. You can find him online at fathersofthechurch.com. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. So at the beginning of September, we celebrate the Feast of St. Gregory the Great. Now, you don't get the nickname The Great unless you've done some big things and usually a lot of big things. So if you could, position Gregory in the history of the church, and then let's talk about some of the stuff uh, that he's known for. We know. A lot of people today like to say there were no dark ages, but I don't I disagree with that. I don't think that's true at all. You know, what we see happening uh in in Gregory's lifetime in the sixth and seventh centuries is a decline in commerce, especially international trade. Uh you can you can ask any marine archaeologist, maritime archaeologist, you know, what's going on uh underwater in those in those ages and there there are no ships going down because there there are few ships on the ocean piracy was back up you know and 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 that was prohibitive um uh, there, there were there were devastating wars of reconquest uh, uh, waged by the Roman emperors, and wars always lead to um, to pestilence and uh, and pandemic in the ancient world because um, because of the conditions that people are living in. Uh, so so things were pretty bad. You see the production of books, especially new books, going way down. Uh, survival becomes becomes the most important thing and that's where you you put a lot of your resource your cultural resource your societal resource uh th- these are the times when gregory was living uh and they were difficult times because at the time the emperors were weak and so the bishops had to step up and manage a lot of the civic government as well now gregory came from one of the the most distinguished families in roman history the gens anicia um you know they had they had produced all kinds of uh great governors and senators and generals and consuls uh you know they hobnobbed with cicero and and uh and other other luminaries, uh, and they also produced many great literary luminaries, like the poet Proba and the philosopher Boethius. I mean, these these are no slouches, and they had even produced popes before Gregory. So this is this is quite a distinguished line. Now, Gregory 
uh, you know, is raised in this family. Gregory eventually comes to be governor of Rome. You know, he's mayor or whatever you want to call that position. Uh, he's he's ruling in Rome as the as the local uh, the local man in charge, and uh, and he's making things happen. But at a certain point, he decides to retire to a monastery to take up a, a, a contemplative life, and. Uh, and he he vanishes, you know, this great talent in diplomacy and in management and in administration suddenly decides that he's going behind the walls to live as St. Benedict had lived. You know, it's fascinating to me for so many reasons, because, you know, these days we're like, oh, wow, that's a pretty powerful story. This guy was, uh, you know, he was a bank manager and he left it all to become a monk, you know, just like people have done for centuries before uh benedictine life is actually a pretty new thing <laughs> right when gregory becomes yes. a monk i mean it is not something that has this big long history that we think about today the idea of someone dropping everything to become a monk yes and and this is this is more like uh this is more like bill gates suddenly dropping everything to become a monk a very prestigious man uh, you know with with quite a background quite a pedigree and uh and he's just going to vanish from the world scene and take all those talents with him you know someone who had demonstrated greatness in um in in civ civic life um so so yeah this is something new and and benedict was only recently dead uh, benedict emerges as one of gregory's heroes and gregory writes the first biography of benedict in in due time well that's not the only thing he writes um he does a lot of stuff uh, we have um a, a whole bunch of things that he's written that he's done that he's worked on uh there are uh, mission i mean he's the one who sends saint augustine of canterbury to right. evangelize england uh, but I think yeah. that, you know, most people would know Gregory's work even without knowing Gregory because of Gregorian chant. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things get attributed to him. And, and it's interesting. It's interesting um, what happens because he goes behind the monastery walls, but they don't let him stay there because the world is in too much of a crisis. So the Pope calls upon him to represent the papacy, to represent Rome at the... Um, at the 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 court of the Byzantine em emperor, so Gregory goes off and he lives in Constantinople and he enriches his life there, and it's in Constantinople that he's exposed to Eastern chant and Eastern liturgy, and these will profoundly influence him and eventually influence his reform of the Western liturgy, the Roman liturgy, the Latin liturgy. So we're all kind of living with um with uh with the the benefits that Gregory uh, got when he was living among the Easterners, he really did have an ecumenical vision, a, a vision of the whole church. So he was over there for, for, for quite a while, and he, he lived among monks there. That's where he wrote uh, one of his greatest works, his, um, his work on the Book of Job. It's, it's kind of a rambling work, uh, but it, it, it planted seeds for future mystical theology. Uh, so Gregory was there for a while, came back, and um, and the, when the Pope died, people started to clamor for Gregory to be Pope, and, and this is an office he refused, um, but the, the people insisted, and then the emperor insisted, and, and Gregory did take the office. You know, as you point out, he reformed the liturgy. 
uh, and this is known as the Gregorian reform. Uh, it, it, there all his name is attached to all kinds of things, and some of them uh, he actually did initiate, but he got credit for a lot more too. Um, he reformed the the liturgy, as I said, he reformed the clergy and uh, and their formation. Uh, he wrote a book for formation of clergy and to help them make prudential decisions in life because he knew that in these times of dark ages, they were going to be making major decisions. Now, the remarkable thing about him, you know, he, he was such an active administrator. We we have more than 800 of his letters, and we just have a small fraction of the administrative letters he wrote. But the amazing thing about it is that he did a lot of it from his sickbed. He was not a man of robust health, and he was he was sick in his bed most of the time, but working constantly, constantly through his papacy. And he had this this hyperactive papacy uh, that really did set the stage for the Middle Ages. Well, thanks so much, Mike Aquilina, for giving us a little window into the life and times and witness of Pope St. Gregory the Great. So his feast day was on September the 3rd, Anna Mitchell, so we didn't get to party too much because that was Sunday in the middle of a long weekend. Right. Got overtaken by ordinary time. But he's but, an important one to highlight every year around this time. Absolutely. There are some greats. I mean, I'm so looking forward to next week. Matt. Well, next week's a, it's like one of your favorite feast weeks because you got the oh Feast gosh. of the Holy Cross, and then the very next day you got Our Lady of Our Sorrows. Lady of Sorrows. My two favorite feast days on the whole liturgical calendar outside of, you know, John Chrysostom's next week, which is Freddie's birthday. Oh, yeah, that's right. Freddie's the Feast of John Chrysostom. Frederick that's, John. Because I, I think I was trying to get you to name him. You wanted me to name him Chris C H R Y S. And I went with John instead. As in short for Chrysostom. Frederick John. But it's in the mix, though. Mm-hmm. It's in the mix. You, I can just see the little smirk on your face as you say something like that. I'm just saying. Well, The huge soon, eye the roll that I made after giving birth, and you were like, you could name him Chris with a Y. I was just like. That's such a mess. could happened. Thing to say. Which, by the way, we're working on a camera setup. You, uh, you I can't actually, see this. I actually can see your smirk right now. Um, but uh, there's a guy named Travis, and he's back there, and he's working on a camera setup so that fairly soon, those of you who want a really like jarring way to start your day can see what Anna and I actually look like. Matt's actually his smirk is something you'll actually see you can just you can hear it now but you'll be able to hear and see it soon we'll let you know how that materializes as it gets closer and you can see my actual reactions when matt makes ridiculous jokes you'll tell when the mic is actually cut out for annie or when she's just standing there staring (laughs) at me after a stupid joke (laughs) pastoral counselor kevin prendergast joins us next it's 14 till support is from tbn Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? 
Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. Now there's a fast and easy way to get in touch with EWTN. The EWTN Everything Number. Call 1-800-447-EWTN to get the latest information on programming, special events, pilgrimages, and more. You can even make a donation. Our EWTN Family Viewer Services representatives are ready to help you with whatever your needs may be. The EWTN Everything Number. 1-800-447-EWTN. EWTN. This is Dr. David Anders. Is God an angry God? We answer questions like these every day on Call to Communion, today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, licensed counselor, former seminary instructor as well, and has a lot of experience uh, addressing questions of mental health from a Catholic perspective. Kevin, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. You know, there are probably a lot of people out there who would love to just talk to somebody and get even just some temporary help with some questions, but do not know where to begin, do not know if they're going to find someone who undermines their faith. That's a question that I get a lot. I know you get it a lot, too. Uh, doesn't know if the person that they get, even if their faith lines up with them, is going to say helpful things, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So what are some good things to have in the back of your mind when you're trying to figure out who to look for um, if you're trying to get mental health help? Yeah, and, and the first question there, Matt, even a preliminary one would be, do I need a counselor? Is that what I need? And I, and I think a lot of us, uh, we've talked about this a lot with different topics in, the, in this segment. Uh, is there a mental health epidemic or... Uh, do we just not have enough uh, robust community and close friendships and relationships? So I think that's why people are turning to, to therapy. Uh, but, you know, one of my instructors always said there's many things in life that are therapeutic besides therapy. So I obviously believe in therapy. Uh, but, you know, the other goal here might be to build up enough other relationships and support and people that I can talk to on a regular basis. So therapy is not going to solve everything. But if I do decide that, you know, I'm been really down in the dumps or I'm, I'm very stressed and anxious, I'm not sleeping, uh, there, one of my kids has problems, our marriage is not doing well, where, where do we go? So, so one thing, you know, maybe to have some expectations of what therapy is. So I often talk to my students about this, that, uh, th- Friendship and therapy are two different things. So I can have a best friend forever, but generally they're going to take my side. They're going to listen. Uh, they're they're going to be there. They're going to let me ventilate. 
Uh, and the thing about friendship, friendship doesn't really have so much of a goal or a direction or action plans, right? I just want to hang out with my friend and I talk about life going on. Whereas in therapy, a couple of things that are different there. One is that I definitely want somebody who's a good listener. But the number one complaint that I get from clients who have seen another therapist in the past is he or she just sat there and they really were nice and they listened, you know, and they didn't interrupt me, but I didn't really get anything out of it. So that's one of the questions I ask. What did you get out of that last therapy? What concrete skills, improvement did you get? And people get a blank look on their face. So I think that, you know, part of what I'm looking for in therapy could also be spiritual direction or even from the confessional is I need some guidance. All right. I want somebody who's going to be listening, who's going to be on my side, who's going to I know that they care about me, but they're also going to besides supporting me, they're going to challenge me. They're going to we all have blind spots. Uh, we have things that get in the way of our relationships with other people. And our friends don't always do that. You know, I, I hope some of our listeners are fortunate, like I am, to have friends who care enough about me that they don't mind hurting my feelings, right? Right. So you know, Kevin, as to, you're saying yeah. this, it reminds me of something that Anna Mitchell was talking about in a recent segment mm -hmm. on another topic about, you know, be careful who you complain about and who you who you complain yeah. about them in front of. Uh, because, uh -huh. uh, you know, if you go and you complain about your spouse in front of your buddies all the time, then your your buddies are all going to, like, coalesce around how terrible <laughs> your spouse is and just back you up. Yeah. When, when, well, that's a two-way street, man. Well, it, it takes a lot of courage, Matt. Like, do I really want to be challenged? I know for myself, not really. I don't, you know, sometimes I don't want to hear what, you know, people are trying to tell me for my own benefit. Uh, but so it, it takes courage. And when I go to counseling, I have to realize a couple of other things, too, is, you know, what do I need to bring to the therapy? So I want somebody who can be honest with me and give me some feedback and teach me some skills. I should be able to come away with some new insights, uh, better habits, uh, skills for coping. Uh, I'm not going to get instant results. And I often tell my clients things are probably going to feel worse before they get better. Nobody really wants to hear that. I need to keep my appointments. I need to do homework. I should expect that my, my therapist is going to give me things to do in the other 167 hours of the week besides when I'm sitting in therapy. And the other thing, it, it just shouldn't go on forever. So even Freud, way back in the day, talked about interminable therapy. And I have to think, you know, am I just being, you know, is, is the therapist making me dependent on them? So I have to go in there. And sometimes I don't get the right person the first time. It's like, you know, we, we love our priest. But if we've been around for a while in the church, uh, there are some people who say, you know, I went to him for confession. He was okay, but wasn't that helpful. I think I need to talk to somebody else. That's perfectly legitimate, right? Uh, you know, the sacrament is the sacrament. We have grace there, even if the priest is having a difficult time, we don't connect. But in, but in therapy, you know, we, we can test out the therapist the first few times. But I have to ask myself, am I looking for a new therapist because they're just not really meeting my needs and they're not very competent? Or is it because I'm avoiding things? Maybe they're pushing me on some things that I don't want to get pushed on. And the other question is, do I need a Catholic psychotherapist? So the big problem with that is there just aren't a lot of Catholic therapists around, and there's not enough competent Catholic therapists around. So a therapist who happens to be Catholic doesn't necessarily have the skills or the training to be able to integrate and bring up faith issues and therapy. That's a whole nother 
uh, you know, our field, we have had a program in pastoral counseling is how to integrate those. But I think the, you know, for people looking for someone in, you know, areas like my marriage and morality and making good ethical choices, the Catholic Psychotherapy Association is a national organization. We have a very active chapter here in Cincinnati. That would be one place to look. I think the other place, how do I find a good car mechanic or how do I find a good OBGYN? I usually ask people, you know, I can ask uh, my physician who refers a lot for mental health issues. I can ask my priest or the deacon, a pastoral staff member. Maybe one can, in your own parish, right? Correct. Maybe one of my friends has been in therapy. And that's that's usually pretty good, that if they've had a good experience. Uh, and then the, the other problem is sometimes our insurance doesn't cover it. Some companies have employee assistance programs, which can give us at least some short-term counseling. Uh, so we, do, we don't want to wait too long to get into therapy. And uh, we talk a lot about the stigma of mental health. I think it's a fear. You know, it's a fear that, you know, this is a big step. Do I want to go to marriage counseling? Is it going to make things worse or better? Uh, am I really going to be able to deal with it? So we can turn to our Lord and ask for courage, uh, trust, faith, and guidance uh, to find the right person that we can really be honest with. Well, and uh, just a, a heads up, too, to those listening who are heading towards, you know, college and picking majors and things. There be, There's a great need for well-formed, very professionally competent Catholics in this field, because I get phone calls and you get phone calls all the time looking yes. for him. So, Correct. Yeah. A great thing to explore that God might be calling you to. More coming up after the break. It's Three Till. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word. It is Thursday, the 7th of September. Let's begin this morning in prayer, praying for providence, uh, especially for all of you who are struggling with employment and finance right now. A prayer to St. Joseph. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Joseph, with Jesus and Mary, you knew hunger, uncertainty, and illness. You turned your heart to God to lift up your needs and those of your family. In faith, you accepted the Father's response as events unfolded. Be with me today as I offer my requests to the Father. Joseph, let me recognize God's will as I open my hands to accept what God bestows in loving kindness. With tenderness, God fills creation with life and love. Open my eyes to the wonders that God works without ceasing. Let me learn the true intention behind my request so that I may discover within myself the lowly one that God commends. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. Pray in that prayer, especially for all of you looking for work, all of you who are dealing with struggles and not sure exactly how you're going to make it through September. St. Joseph, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Thursday. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. And as we do on every Thursday, we'll check in with Dr. John Bergsma going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics. Today we talk about Hosea, which is a wild, and I mean wild, book of the Old Testament. And there's no way for me to do it justice, so we're just going to have to have Dr. John Bergsma explain what in the world is going on in Hosea. Rita Heikenfeld will talk about drying and preserving your Bible herbs. Some of you had gardens with uh, 
herbs and spices mentioned in the Bible. Rita will talk about the best way to store them for the colder months. Gary Machuda continues our series on his book, The Gospel Truth. Also, Father John Gavin with more thoughts from the Church Fathers as they are cited in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So, stay with us if you can. Two minutes past, news of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis has called for the month of October to be dedicated to praying for Ukraine. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins has more. Insisting that there is a need for more prayer for conversion and an end to the conflict in Ukraine, Pope Francis expressed his desire that during the month of October, especially in Marian shrines, the rosary will be dedicated to peace and reconciliation in Ukraine. The appeal came during a meeting with the bishops of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church who are holding their annual synod in Rome. At the beginning of the nearly two-hour encounter, the Pope was greeted by Major Archbishop Sviatoslav Shevchuk, who recalled the painful situation in which his country finds itself, with an increasing number of dead, wounded, and tortured people, and who thanked the Pope for the affection shown in so many ways and on so many occasions. A statement from the Holy See Press Office noted that, following the greetings from Major Archbishop Shevchuk, several of the assembled bishops shared with the Pope their stories of the suffering that the Ukrainian people are experiencing in different places and in different ways. The Holy Father listened attentively to their testimony and, with some brief interventions, expressed his feelings of closeness and participation in the tragedy that the Ukrainians are experiencing with a dimension of martyrdom that is not spoken about enough, subjected to cruelty and criminality. He also spoke about his sorrow for the sense of helplessness experienced in the face of war, which he ascribed to the devil who desires to destroy. Pope Francis turned his thoughts especially to the Ukrainian children he has met. They look at you and have forgotten their smile, he said, adding that this is one of the fruits of war, to take the smiles away from children. Finally, Pope Francis recalled the example of Jesus during the Passion, who did not remain a victim of insults, torture, and crucifixion, but bore witness to the courage to speak the truth, to be close to the people so that they would not be discouraged. This is not easy, the Pope said, but this is holiness, and people want to be saints and teachers of this way that Jesus taught us. I'm Devin Watkins. Pope Francis has said, I've been to the heart of Asia and it has done me good. He was speaking during his general audience yesterday, reflecting on his trip to Mongolia. The Holy Father said, quote, it was good for me to meet the Mongolian people who cherish their roots and traditions, respect their elders and live in harmony with the environment. They are a people who peer into the sky and feel the breath of creation, end quote. President Biden is heading overseas today. He's due to fly out of Joint Base Andrews this afternoon and route to India, where he will be attending the G20 summit. Following the G20, the president is scheduled to visit Vietnam on Sunday. Federal prosecutors plan to indict Hunter Biden by September 29th on gun charges, according to a court filing. The president's son had agreed to a plea agreement that would have spared him jail time for allegedly purchasing a gun as a drug user. The deal had Hunter Biden entering a diversion program, but the agreement fell apart in court in July. That plea deal also included tax evasion charges, but it's currently unclear where those stand. New projections show Hurricane Lee could make it all the way to the East Coast. Mark Mayfield has more. The hurricane formed over the Atlantic Ocean on Tuesday and is expected to strengthen into a Category 4 storm by Saturday, with wind speeds of up to 150 miles per hour. Our European forecast models predicts the storm will stay out at sea and not make direct landfall with the U.S. 
However, the American model shows Lee hitting the edge of Cape Cod and heading up into Canadian waters. Hurricane Lee could strengthen into a Category 5 storm as temperatures in the Atlantic are warmer than usual. I'm Mark Mayfield. An effort is underway to get an American who's been trapped inside a cave in southern Turkey for several days. Rescuers received a call Saturday saying Mark Dickey was suffering gastrointestinal bleeding and needed help. He's said to be inside a cave at a campsite around 3,400 feet from the entrance. While Dickey's condition is stabilizing, he'll need a stretcher to be removed. Officials are calling the effort one of the largest cave rescues in the world. Dickey had been helping to lead an international expedition in the cave. Using the Internet has been linked to cognitive benefits to older people, according to some new research. A study out last month in the Journal of American Geriatrics Society found that people between 50 and 65 who use the Internet regularly see their chances of developing dementia drop by nearly 9%. People using the Internet for more than two hours a day, though, saw their risk for dementia increase. And week one of the NFL season is finally here. The defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs begin their title defense tonight when the Detroit Lions visit Arrowhead Stadium. Kansas City ousted the Philadelphia Eagles 38-35 to in last season's Super Bowl, while Detroit is coming off a 9-8 and season just having missed the playoffs. All right, so the folks in Ave Maria Radio Land... Hoping Jared Goff can make it happen. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We shall see, Anna we, Mitchell. We shall see. Whew. Well, I mean, it's going to be a wild one. So, uh, you know. It's, uh, well, here, I have some other matchups. Actually. Well, and before you get to the matchups, I just want to oh. say that we were at dinner last night, and my wife, who you know well, I know well, says, Is this weekend the start of the NFL season? I'm like, Yes. What? Oh, you're in an office pool, aren't you? And she's like, yes. She's already got her picks in. Oh, my gosh. Colleen's playing fantasy football. She just does with work. And it's I don't even know if there's like I don't even know if there's stakes involved. I think it's just maybe. Bragging. Are you? I have no idea. Are you playing any fantasy football? I can't play fantasy football. I mean, if I do, I only pick teams uh, out of a matter of like moral obligation. And the reason I do pick only teams, unlike Paul Lockman, who will pick you know, like players is because I never want to assemble a team of my own based on players from other teams that ever causes me to root against my own team. Yeah. For fantasy. For fantasy. You don't want to have the, you don't want any balls. Right. I don't want any idols that cause me to, you know, forsake my first love. What a As it were. beautiful way to transition the conversation now. I don't want to marry four different women in one minor <laughs> profit book. I want to stick with the one team. That leads us seamlessly to Dr. John Bergsma. Dr. John Bergsma joining us now again on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's author of Love Basics for Catholics, illustrating God's love for us throughout the Bible. Doc, good morning. Good morning, Anna. So we are continuing to look at the love of God as expressed through the prophets. And today we are going to focus primarily 
on one of these so-called minor prophets, Hosea. Now, um, Doc, you explained to us last time that the uh, the prophets were, were prophesying in the time around the Babylonian exile, before, during, and, and after. So to kick off this conversation, who is Hosea and when in that time spectrum was he prophesying? Sure. So Hosea is a little bit of an exception. He is a northern Israelite, and he's the only prophet that was sent exclusively to the north, um, to that group that broke off, you know, that uh, mm-hmm. that divorced uh, the son of David and shacked up with a different king back uh, in First uh, Kings chapter 12. And um, so Hosea is sent to those folks, and he, um, you know, criticizes them strongly, of course, for breaking their faith with God, but he also has the most beautiful oracles about God coming and wooing them back to himself and restoring that marriage relationship. Yeah. And I want to get to that that marital language in a second here, but can you just talk about how wild his story is? Oh, yeah. It's crazy because, you know, you don't really... Being a prophet's not really fun. <laughs> not something you like uh, you're, that anybody's eager to sign up for. And a lot of them, a lot of the prophets, kind of resisted a bit because, yeah. So one of the things that God has Hosea do is go marry an unfaithful woman, Gomer, and he has a few kids with her, and then uh, she runs after some other guys and and uh, leaves him and goes and le- leads a wild life of partying and whatnot, and uh, of course she winds up destitute from all that kind of behavior, and he goes and finds her. Apparently she she was reduced to slavery somewhere, and he purchases her back and brings her back and um, uh, remarries her, and this is a sign for his contemporaries of the fidelity of God, that even in the unfaithfulness of Israel, that God is going to come and redeem them and bring them back into that intimate relationship with himself. Wow. Okay, now talk about all of the marital imagery that that plays into the prophet Hosea's words. Absolutely. So, you know, probably the most beautiful passage is in Hosea 2, where looking into the future, Uh, The prophet, speaking on behalf of God, says, I will allure her and speak tenderly to her. In Hebrew, that's a beautiful expression. It's, I will speak to her heart. Mm. I just love that. And um, there I will give her vineyards, which are a sign of romance. There she shall answer as in the days of her youth, at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. Of course, that's looking back to that wedding ceremony at the foot of Sinai in Exodus 24, when Israel said, everything that the Lord has said we will do and we will obey and wed themselves to God. And then Hosea continues in Hosea 2. He says, in that day, says the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my master. So I will remove the names of the masters from her mouth, and they shall be mentioned no more by name, 
and I'll make a covenant for you on that day, and I'll betroth you to me forever. I'll betroth you to me in righteousness and justice. So very beautiful. And there's um, when you read this in different translations, Anna, there's a, a wordplay between um, the Hebrew, my master, which is ishi, or literally my man, uh, versus my uh, my Baal, or my, my lord. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a wordplay because sometimes in very formal situations, an Israelite woman would call her husband my lord, my Baali. Um, but usually that term Baal was reserved for these Canaanite gods, you know, the chief one that we often call Baal mm-hmm. uh, when we're reading the Old Testament, as well as some of the minor gods that were called Baalim. And so the the contrast there, Anna, is that in the future, it's not even going to be this formal relationship between husband and wife, but it's going to be this intimate relationship where Israel will call God my man, in other words, my my husband. And so it's really setting us up for some of the beautiful events that we find in the Gospels where this is really fulfilled. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, because we see this phrase in the prophets a lot, on that day or in that day, that day. What is that day? Is that the wedding day? That's the future. That is the Messianic age. That's the time of fulfillment. It's pretty vague, you know. The, the, the day in Hebrew can mean, a, you know, an unspecified period of time. And so um, it's looking, you know, and then we also get this very vague expression, the latter days. <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay, when? We, we want to know more. The only, the only prophet that really gives us a chronology is Daniel. Um, but the rest, you know, you have to be patient. This this time of fulfillment is coming. Wow. So we will have to leave it there with that little tease. The time of fulfillment is coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess it's not really much of a tease. We already know. But that said, we will uh, pick it up there the next time. We've got Love Basics for Catholics linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Bergsma, thank you so much. You bet. Talk to you next time. All right. Sounds good. It is coming up on 17 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show. We got headlines coming up next. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. 
and your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. You know, I have never seen women who want to be equal absolutely degrading themselves. And yet the media degrades your nature, your beauty as a woman, your your goodness. Let us pray. At some point, our dear Lord touches their hearts. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has called for the month of October to be dedicated to praying for Ukraine. Meanwhile, the U.S. Secretary of State has announced a new aid package for Ukraine in their fight against Russia. And the Holy Father said during his general audience of his trip to Mongolia, I've been to the heart of Asia and it's done me good. News at the top and bottom of each hour. Every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show, Anna Mitchell, um, I've been trying to get in the habit of modeling uh, the classes that people take on their way into the church by modeling the my by saying OCIA whenever possible. Right, right. The I'm order trying of to... Christian initiation. The Order yeah. of Christian Initiation for Adults uh, as opposed to the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. I'm not mm-hmm. going to even say the other one because it's going to like trigger me towards saying it accidentally it. a whole bunch yeah. more times today. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kicking off in a lot of places this month. Nice. Um, a lot of people do theirs from uh, you know September to Easter, mm-hmm. and then uh, hopefully Mystagogy after. And uh, what's interesting, you know, a lot of people are like, "Why do they change it? Why don't we go with the old way?" Well, what's weird is that in Latin, Anna Mitchell, as you might imagine, it's Ordo Initiationis Christiane Adultorum. So it was already O in the Latin the whole time. Oh, that's funny. As Dr. Benjamin We're Lewis would probably point out to us. We're going back to the old days. Going back. Kicking it old school, Hannah Mitchell. <laughs> We're kicking it old school. <laughs> but, you know, when you think about it, to call it the right of Christian initiation was sort of a misnomer anyway. Yeah. Because within it, you got the right of sending and election. Yeah. You got some scrutinies, scrutinies in there. Scrutinies. And- There's like things that happen in a certain order. Mm-hmm. So and it's not order. like a separate right in the church either, so... Right. Right. Things go in kind right. of an order. Right. Oh. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide, while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult-to-machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. 
Com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent serving Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, I can help with any of your insurance needs. I can be reached at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine, handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a 1,000 labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at BridgetownFinderMeats.com. It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. And uh, Bible Foods is all about looking at foods and recipes and all kinds of things that are mentioned in the Bible, some of the symbolism of them and how we use those things today. Rita, good morning. Well, good morning, Matt. And I again, thanks to Annie, this is going to be a very timely subject. Extremely timely because we're talking today about preserving some of the herbs from our Bible gardens. A lot of us mm-hmm. have uh, been taking notes on your segments and planted some of these things that show up in the Bible. And now... We're getting to the cold months, so we're just not going to be able to have them uh, fresh. So let's talk about some ways to to dry these. I mean, this is something that, I mean, there's a principle that, you know, is involved in this whole process of planting and watering and growing. Uh, You know, that's a nice way to think about all this stuff, right? It is. And when you think of that, um, good point there, Matt. In Genesis, in Chapter 1, I love this passage. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth vegetation, every kind of plant that bears seed, including herbs, I might add, every kind of fruit tree on earth that bears fruit with its seed in it. And so it happened, the earth brought forth vegetation, every kind of plant that bears seed, and every kind of fruit tree that bears fruit with its seed in it. God saw that it was good. So today, as you said, a lot of us are planting herbs. Um, some of which are mentioned in the Bible, but they've grown, and now, before that first frost hits, we've got to figure out how to preserve them. And um, one of the best ways, I think, um, and easy and low-cost, is just to dry them the old-fashioned way. Um, it's an ancient method, as we both know. It goes back to Bible days, and I'm thinking even before Christ was born, And it's always reliable and safe, so drying herbs the old-fashioned way is a good way to do that. All right, so what are some tips for drying herbs? And, you know, this can vary from herb to herb a little bit, but Mm -hmm. generally speaking, what are some good principles to apply? Well, just generally, you want to harvest um, your uh, herbs after the morning dews has dried from the leaves, but before the sun gets really hot, and that happens around here, around noontime, Matt, and, in fact, if you walk by a lavender plant around noontime, you, you'll get to smell a lovely aroma. And what's happened is the sun drives the oils from the bottom up toward the stem and then out into the air. So right um, before noon is the best time because then all the herbs will still have all their, vo- their volatile oils intact. All right. So this is one where you get into a bit of a dilemma because you want clean herbs. But if you just waited for them to dry... And then you wash them off. Now they're wet again. So, 
what what is your recommendation in gar- regarding cleaning these herbs? Well, first of all, if I I usually don't have to clean them. I don't think many people do. Um, unless they're real dusty. But if you want to do them while they're still on the plant, I usually um, give them a, a light sprinkling the day before, and that gives them plenty of time to dry um, because wet herbs will get mildew and mold as they dry. And if you happen to take them off the plant and they, they still need a rinse, do it in the kitchen and lay them, um, you know, let them drain and dry very well uh, before you start to dry them. And, and by the way, you only want to cut healthy branches if there's any yellow or spotted leaves, they're not going to have any flavor, so don't even bother with those. All right. You try and knock the bugs off? Aha. Uh-huh. Now, this is where your kids come in if they're not squeeze, you know, squeezy about it. Um, yeah, I usually just shake them a bit. Um, I think there's usually some hitchhikers, although herbs are not, uh, don't tend to attract bugs very much. And also, if you're going to rinse them, they're usually going to fall off. So um, not something to worry about, but maybe something to be to check on for sure. All right. So with some of these, uh, let's say I've got thyme or oregano. Actually, that's not a theoretical hypothetical. I have tons of thyme and oregano. Uh-huh. I know. I know <laughs> uh, you do. Uh, so do I cut off the whole branch? How much do I cut off? Well, um, if you're going to dry them on the branch, um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll take them out of the garden, and then remove about an inch or so, Matt, of the lower leaves. And what that does, it gives you um, something, to, you know, uh, a branch to tie together. And I'll tie several together just to make a bunch. But um, here's the deal. You don't want to tie too many because you want a good air circulation. So three or four or five. Um, and you can use rubber bands uh, to tie them and hang them upside down because nutrition and flavor starts in the root and then goes through the stem and the leaves. Um, but if you're going to use rubber bands or strings, sometimes you've got to redo them because they may slip out. Um, again, not too many branches together because air, good air circulation is crucial. All right, so where do you hang them? Do you hang them in your kitchen or your basement or garage? Where do you do that? I love to put them in my kitchen because they look nice, but again, it, it sort of gets a little messy when they start to dry. Anywhere that's dry and basically warm with good um, air circulation, again. Um, Some people like to use a paper bag, and you can just place bundles of herbs upside down in the bag and then sort of gather the bag at the top and then tie it closed. Um, Some people punch a few holes in the, if it's a bag for air circulation. I usually don't because if it's a paper bag, no need to. The big thing is don't um, dry herbs uh, near the sun especially if they're exposed because that bleaches the color out. So any place that's basically warm and dry is good. All right, so let's say I've got dried oregano. How much would I use of that uh, compared to how much fresh oregano I would use normally in a recipe? Well, when you think of fresh herbs, they have moisture in them, so dried herbs don't. So uh, about one teaspoon of dried herbs to every tablespoon of fresh. To me, that's a good ratio. What do you think? That seems about right. But you know mm-hmm. me, I never measure anything. <laughs> Just dump it in till it tastes good. I know. You and my mom would have gotten along great. So, but, uh, and, you know, we could maybe talk some other later time. I don't know if you've ever done where you freeze them in the ice cube trays, yeah. too. You know, this is a whole different kind of method and process. But this drying herbs thing, it's so cool. It smells good. You can even decorate the house, as you mentioned. I mean, ha- lavender hanging in your kitchen just looks cool. Mm-hmm. So. All right, well, Rita Heikenfeld, we've got abouteating.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Head on over there and check out Rita's stuff. Have a great day. 
I will, and I'll talk to you next week, Matt. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. Pope Francis has called for the month of October to be dedicated to praying for Ukraine. Vatican News reports the Pope joined the Synod of the Hierarchy of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church yesterday, where the bishops told him about the suffering of their flocks and asked for more prayer. The Holy Father said there is a need for more prayer, for conversion and an end to the conflict, and he expressed his desire that during the month of October, especially in Marian shrines, the rosary be dedicated to peace and reconciliation in Ukraine, of course, the month of October, dedicated to the Holy Rosary. During his general audience yesterday, the Pope reflected on his visit to Mongolia. The Pope did said it did him good to visit the heart of Asia. He began by asking why a Pope would go to a nation with such a tiny flock and answered saying, because it is precisely there, far from the spotlight, that we often find the signs of the presence of God, who does not look at appearances, but at the heart. He also offered his prayers for those who died in a tragic fire recently in Johannesburg, South Africa. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. The Pope said, with deep sorrow, I learned of that fire that broke out in a five-story building in the city center of Johannesburg, South Africa, in which more than 70 people died, including several children. The Pope invited all those following in presence and online to join him in praying for the victims. He said to the family members, I express my condolences and I send a special blessing for them and for those who are working to provide assistance and support. At least 73 people died and 43 were injured in the fire in a five-story building in the city's financial district on the 31st of August. The fire broke out around 1.30 a.m. The city authorities did not clarify what the possible causes might have been. According to eyewitnesses, the fire started when the power was out. One witness recounted that the fire started during a power outage and that there was a loud gunshot-like noise followed by a loud explosion. Some of the survivors described how they jumped out of windows, but only after tossing their children to others below. The rundown compound was among numerous properties seized by organized crime and property syndicates who subsequently and unlawfully leased the premises to individuals unable to afford alternative accommodations. And often lacking dependable facilities or proper sanitation, these places present dire living conditions. There are 57 complexes that have been hijacked in the inner city of Johannesburg there where up to 2,000 people can live in a single complex. In the aftermath of the latest deadly blaze, people are wondering how such a thing could have happened. I'm Thaddeus Jones. Mexico is decriminalizing abortion for the entire nation. The country's Supreme Court issued that ruling yesterday, saying in their ruling, the penalization of abortion is, quote, unconstitutional since it violates the human rights of women, end quote. Laws on abortion were previously left to a, on a state-by-state basis with 12 of the country's 32 states already voting to decriminalize it. New projections show Hurricane Lee could make it all the way to the East Coast. The hurricane formed over the Atlantic on Tuesday and is expected to strengthen into a Category 4 storm by Saturday with wind speeds up to 150 miles per hour. A European forecast model predicts the storm will stay out at sea and not make direct landfall with the U.S. However, The American model shows Lee hitting the edge of Cape Cod 
and heading up into Canadian waters. In Washington, the Senate will start moving a package of government funding bills next week. Lisa Taylor reports. It comes as Congress is racing to avoid a shutdown at the end of this month. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he expects the first votes on Monday. The top Democrat urged Republicans in the House to follow the Senate's lead and work with Democrats. A group of House conservatives says it would oppose any funding bill that does not include conservative policy priorities on spending levels, the southern border, and the Justice Department. I'm Lisa Taylor. The judge hearing the case accusing former President Donald Trump and 18 others of conspiring to overturn Georgia's 2020 presidential election will not sever the cases of two co-defendants who requested it, Kenneth Cheesebro and Sidney Powell. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Family, please know that Sacred Heart Radio has never sold or shared our mailing list with anyone. So when you donate or sign up to receive our newsletters, be confident that Sacred Heart Radio will not sell or share your information with other organizations. Schneller Knockleman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee, because our work is done right the first time. For all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work, find us at skpha.com. skpha.com. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Thursday, September the 7th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockleman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Got some rain possibilities today, but also a cool down. Right now, temperatures in the mid-60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be partly to mostly cloudy today with some isolated afternoon showers possible in a high of 79 degrees. Partly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 62. Partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 78 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mostly cloudy with a spotty shower possible today, a high of 77 degrees. Evening shower possible, but otherwise mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low near 60. Partly cloudy with a slight chance of a shower tomorrow and a high of 75 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. This morning show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Machuda, and he is online at handsonapologetics.com. He's got a number of great books, including the one we've been going through most recently called The Gospel Truth, and it's all about the reliability of the gospel accounts of Jesus Christ. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. So one of the questions we've been addressing in these segments is, how do we know that people remembered what Jesus actually said? And we've been going over some of the ways that Uh, Jesus, as a good rabbi, would have built memory methods into his teaching style. And I love this one we're going to talk about today with locations, because it reminds me of our great friend, the the late Dr. Kevin Vost, who wrote several books on this concept of memorizing things by putting them sort of in places, right? And he's building off of ancient medieval memory methods. But this is something that Jesus himself was doing, correct? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Matt, this is something I think every person can relate to. Uh, back, well, back when you used to live in the Cincinnati area, you know, there's a, a bridge there that connects Cincinnati to um, Kentucky. And it, when you drive over the bridge, it's the opening shot to an old TV show called WKRP in Cincinnati. And they'd play that, like, every time the program would start, the, the theme song. And, you know, every time you, I drive over the bridge, I got to sing the theme song because it, it, like, it just evokes this vivid memory of it. And, you know, and I'm sure many other people have other memories, like uh, we used to go traveling uh, down to uh, Southern California in the summer. And we'd have the radio on, and it's like 70s hits we're listening to. And I swear today, when I hear one of those hits, like I can almost smell the heated vinyl from my old, you know, Oldsmobile Buick as we're we're driving across the country. And so it's, you know, places, uh, songs, these things, you can evoke memories and word for word memories, right? Uh, just by being in the same place or doing the same thing. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that. You know, gets asked on Facebook on you know some of those memes that people throw out all the time, like, uh, "Where were you when X happened?" You know, and it's some major event right. in world history or American history, and it's just the comments are full of nothing but people saying, "I remember exactly the entire scene. I remember how I was sitting. I remember what part of the room I was sitting in. I remember who was with me. <laughs> right? I remember all these things." Yeah, right connected to this. Uh, so how does Jesus use this? Yeah, well, you know, uh, and this is something I think, you know, people who love reading Scripture should be aware of. Jesus deliberately chooses his discourses in particular areas. And unfortunately, that's kind of uh, Bible flyover country. When you're reading, it's like, okay, we're in Caesarea Philippi, you know, blah, blah, blah. And okay, let's get to the important thing where Jesus says his uh declaration of Peter, right? Well, you know, I think that's a great example of location. Jesus deliberately chose Caesarea Philippi to be the location, the backdrop, in which he tells Simon Peter that he's going to make him the rock upon which he's going to build his church, and the gates of hell should not prevail. And the reason for that, Matt, is if you know the, the outline of Caesarea Philippi, you know that one of its most striking features is that there's this huge outcropping of rock, and uh, it's part of the foothills of, of Mount Hermon, and on top of this outcropping of rock, there was a temple dedicated to Caesar as God by uh, Philip, and, you know, it was uh, marble, it was white, it would gleam off, uh, Josephus talks about how you know, you can see it for miles, the sun gleaming off the white marble on top of this rock. And then underneath, uh, you know, at the foot of this outcropping the rock, there was a spring that used to feed the Jordan. And so you'd have this bubbling spring that would come out from underneath the rock. And the ancients took soundings, and they couldn't find the bottom. It seemed to, like, go on forever. And so with that background in mind, when you, when you read Jesus' discourse— you find out that like he is mapping the discourse with Peter upon the surrounding, because he says to Simon that you are Peter, which means rock. And he says, I, I'm going to build, you know, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Just like, you know, Philip 
built this false temple to a false god. I'm going to build my church upon you, Peter. And and then you have, and he says, the gates of the netherworld, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So just like, you know, this outcropping the rock at Caesarea Philippi, which failed to stop the waters from, the, you know, the depths, um, Jesus's church, Jesus's rock, uh, the depths are not going to be able to prevail against it. And so I imagine, you know, the apostles uh, just going into Caesarea Philippi, it would just snap into place, just like all those other things we said. You know, they they would re, it would evoke the very words that Jesus says. Yeah, I mean, it's a powerful example. But I want to talk about another thing uh, that's in this same section of your book about you know Jesus and his memory methods. It's not just situating things in geographical locations, but in sort of chronological places along the liturgical calendar, so that when a holiday is coming up. He teaches something that is connected with that holiday, so you have sort of like a like a cyclical memory about it that pops up once a year when that holiday comes back around. Uh, what would be an example of this? Yeah, uh, well, example, uh, the one I give in the book, and I'm sure there's plenty of other ones, is the, the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is, the, you know, also known as the Feast of Booths. And... There was a very elaborate ceremony that took place during the Feast of Tabernacles where uh, the priest would go and pour, publicly pour out water and wine. And so this, this water-pouring ceremony that was part of the feast that happened every tabernacle in Jerusalem, uh, when Jesus was there during the Feast of Tabernacles, this is when he gives his discourse, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Wow, that so gives me chills, imagine, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. So you can imagine, you know, as a Jewish Christian uh, going to tabernacles in Jerusalem and seeing the water pouring ceremony, and it's just like driving over that bridge, you know, from Cincinnati. It's you know, it just evokes all Jesus the lyrics words come back, right? Death. Yeah, all yeah, the words of exactly. Jesus's teaching come back word for word. Uh, there are many other examples of this, but even just those two alone that you mentioned today are worth diving in. Um, the way that Jesus intentionally made his teachings memorable in ways that would not necessarily occur to us because. I've never been to a Feast of Tabernacles. I've also never been to Caesarea Philippi. So, uh, you know, entering back into those things really shows you what Jesus was doing and really kind of helps you understand the power of the incarnation that Jesus took on flesh and used created things to to the senses to tell these stories and make these connections. Uh, But if our listeners want to get a copy of your book, The Gospel Truth, uh, which is, again, all about the reliability of the gospel accounts of Jesus, how do they do so? Yep, just go to stpaulcenter.com. That's the St. Paul Center, and uh, you can pick up a copy there. All right, great stuff. Gary Machuda, Hands-On Apologetics, also linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. All right, back after this, it's a quarter till. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. 
Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This is Bernadette Bogusky, Executive Director of WCCR Cleveland, AM 1260 The Rock. Why do we need Catholic Radio? To reach the hearts, minds, and souls of those who are searching for deeper meaning and don't know where to turn. To bring clarity to a world full of lies and confusion. And to share the good news of joy and mercy with a world so desperate for the truth. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio. Now more than ever. This is Dr. David Anders. Is God an angry God? We answer questions like these every day on Call to Communion, today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, I heard Bernadette from AM 1260, The Rock, and yeah. on that break. Mm-hmm. we got to be careful about what we say from here on out because oh, we're I playing know. the we Browns the this Browns. weekend. I know. Bengals-Browns this weekend. Bernadette, please don't take anything we say in, in the next 48 hours personally. But it's on. But it's on. But we love you, Bernadette. But we love you. AM 1260 The Rock. 12 till. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has called for the month of October to be dedicated to praying the rosary for Ukraine. During his general audience yesterday, he reflected on his visit to Mongolia, saying it did him good to visit the heart of Asia. And Mexico's Supreme Court has issued a ruling decriminalizing abortion nationwide. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday, the 7th of September. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father John Gavin. He's author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. And we've been going through the catechism with him and looking at all the various places where the fathers of the church are quoted through the course of it. Father, good morning. Good morning. So today we get to talk about Pope St. Leo the Great. Uh, which part of the catechism are we in as we look at this particular reflection from uh, St. Leo? So we're now looking at the section that treats uh, the Church, and in particular the section's looking at uh, the people of God and uh, the characteristics of the people of God, and particularly the uh, offices of priestly, priest, prophet, and king in the ways that the uh, people of, of the Church participate in those offices. Well, the language to articulate that in this particular passage from 
St. Leo is pretty strong language. I mean, it's kind of yeah. stirring. I mean, this is like locker room speech, go out and get them kind of language. Absolutely. And it's, it's helpful to put that quote into the full context. It, it comes from the, what in our numbering, the fourth sermon of Leo the Great. And uh, he was elected to the papacy on September 29, 440. And we have a series of homilies or sermons that he gave on the anniversary of that date. So it's kind of a Thanksgiving sermon and a recollection sermon. Uh, so this one comes from September 29th, 444. And the regular themes in these, they're called the elevation sermons, is elevation to the papacy. The regular themes that he hits on are, first of all, uh, the papacy as service. Uh, it's on the virtue of humility. Uh, so it's not his own uh, uh, grandeur, but rather at the service of the church. Uh, he always puts forward the model of Peter. Also, he speaks much about how, even though he has this distinct charism and authority within the church, uh, nonetheless, uh, all of the baptized faithful share in this same dignity in Christ. So in the sermon, uh, he says at one point, although the Church of God as a whole has a hierarchical structure so that the completeness of the body consists in the diversity of members, we are nevertheless, as the Apostle says, one in Christ. So this, this locker room speech, as I think you rightly uh, liken it to, it's, it's on this occasion, but he's also calling the faithful to be with him as the Bishop of Rome, as the Pope, uh, in bringing the gospel to the world. I mean, the stuff that he has to say in this passage, and again, you're looking around paragraph 786. Uh, mm. I mean, this is, you know, so many of us have done the sign of the cross kind of as a formality or without thinking, but he says, the sign of the cross makes kings of all those reborn in Christ, right? And the anointing mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit consecrates them as priests. He goes on to say, what indeed is as royal for a soul as to govern the body in obedience to God? And what is as priestly? as to dedicate a pure conscience to the Lord and offer the spotless offerings of devotion on the altar of the heart. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you. I don't do a very good job of thinking about that kind of thing every time I make the sign of the cross. Right, right. And no, and I think that's, uh, that's the power of Leo's preaching. I mean, we, we hear much about these, the office of priest, prophet, and king, and, and certainly we have distinct charisms in the Church, uh, for these, obviously, the priesthood. But uh, what he's calling us to is to reflect on the ways in which we all share in that, uh, which, of course, are all exemplified in our Lord, uh, Jesus Christ. So, yes, it's uh, when we make the sign of the cross, uh, he says it's, even like it's, it's an anointing to these offices, right? Uh, because as Christians, I mean, uh, not only are we the followers of Christ, but we have been anointed to uh, to share in that life that he gives us. Well, and I love, too, the, the way that Christ turns everything upside down, uh, right? And mm -hmm. this is what happens in the, uh, I mean, this is what happens in the, throughout the course of the Gospels. Uh, it's what the, the passage in the Catechism that this quote is embedded in refers to, the idea of uh, a royal office of Christ, and for the Christian to reign is to serve him. Right mm -hmm. to be a king right. in this sense is to be a servant. I mean, Jesus kind of turns the whole thing inside out on us. Uh, you know, this is not to go and command an army. 
it is mm-hmm. rather to take the leadership in figuring out how to serve others. I mean, these are these are strong, strong things that uh, every Christian is called to, and that are modeled by the Lord Himself. Exactly. And in fact, uh, next Sunday we will get the next part of the gospel reading. Of course, Peter is expecting the Christ to be some kind of you know, royal figure leading into battle, uh, conquering of territories in that manner. But, of course, our Lord rebukes him for that. That's, that's a temptation that is not to be uh, the understanding of who he is as the Messiah. And so the same, he demonstrates to us, washing his disciples' feet, uh, what kind of king he is that he has come to give his life so that we might have life in him. That is uh, the true royalty to share in that life that he has won for us in the resurrection. You know, what's funny is that liturgically speaking, we hear those conversations about a week apart, but in the gospel narrative, you hear them about two sentences apart. <laughs> so... Right, exactly. Yes. And I think uh, Pope Leo likes to go to that passage uh, not only because it speaks of the authority of Peter, but also uh, because of the humility that's demonstrated. Of course, you know, Peter sees that, wait a minute, there are limits to this authority. In the end, I am, as all Christians are, subject to Christ and what he has uh, taught us, what he has handed on to us. And so Leo turns to that again and again, what kind of kingship are we to share in? Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of the power in that title uh, given to the successor of Saint Peter, right? The servant of the servants of God. Uh, you know, what a, yes. what a loaded, a loaded title to be sure. Uh, but based on this very principle, yes, exactly. Uh, and that, that again, we can see it in Peter himself, of course, right? Uh, in, we can take some consolation in seeing the ways in which sometimes he could be quite the hothead or even the betrayal of our Lord, but yet reconciled in humility to him uh, and to be the shepherd of the sheep. And so, yes, always serving and always conscious of his full dependence upon Christ in that love and that mercy. Uh, it's something that we all uh, can turn to again and again. Well, thanks so much, Father John Gavin. His book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Anna Mitchell, got a big Friday show tomorrow. Hope people can be along. We'll talk to Father Hezekiah Carnazzo and Father Jonathan Duncan. Get a preview of the Sunday Mass readings. Ken Craycraft along as well. Bobby Schindler and others. You ready for a good Friday to close out a short and weird week? No, Annie. She's already on. She's already out there somewhere. She's probably refilling her coffee. Getting ready for the next newscast in our local hour coming up just after this. But we'll talk to our EWTN family tomorrow. Until then. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith, when Dr. Matthew Menard will discuss the newest edition of the Confessions of St. Augustine. Dr. Jennifer Robat Morris will share ways to protect your children in public schools this year. I'll talk about who Jesus Christ is for Catholics, with frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King.
Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Central Fabricators, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, custom builds and repairs corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. These are used to manufacture liquids used in everyday products like health and beauty aids, pharmaceuticals, and food. Central Fabricators uses the latest in technology and modern equipment to deliver quality products. And big orders are not a problem. Central Fabricators, ASME certified and on the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. This is Deacon Mike Erb with St. Ignatius of Loyola Parish in Mumford Heights. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Arise, it's a new We continue on this Thursday, the 7th of September, by praying together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, make us know your ways. For those who have been disappointed by their loved ones, fill them with hope in you. For those who seek the truth, guide them to the fullness of faith in you. For the aging, keep them always in your love. God, our Father, you sent your only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to be our way, our truth, and our life. At this morning hour, we lift our hearts to you in prayer and ask that you guide us through this day according to your will, through Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. A better way to start a Thursday, the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And uh, as we've mentioned a few times before, some of you have been gone for the summer. Now that we're after Labor Day and you're back into your routines, don't forget to add 
a regular monthly gift to Sacred Heart Radio, even if it's just like 5 or $10, uh, it's super helpful to us as we head through this school year together to have those regular, um, as Ryan Lopez would call them, persevering gifts uh, to help us know how to budget going into this school year. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman has sports. We'll talk to Danielle Bean about sending kids off to school for the first time. Some of you've got little ones, and this is this is a uh, a bit of a of a scary time. And Danielle's got some tips. She sent eight different kids off to school for the first time. Then Father Boniface Hicks is going to be along with more thoughts on personal prayer, Marian prayer, the theme today, and Father Thomas Berg along at the end of the hour to discuss restoring faith in the church. So. Stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Pope Francis has called for the month of October to be dedicated to praying for Ukraine. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. Insisting that there is a need for more prayer for conversion and an end to the conflict in Ukraine, Pope Francis expressed his desire that during the month of October, especially in Marian shrines, the rosary will be dedicated to peace and reconciliation in Ukraine. The appeal came during a meeting with the bishops of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church who are holding their annual synod in Rome. At the beginning of the nearly two-hour encounter, the Pope was greeted by Major Archbishop Sviatoslav Shevchuk, who recalled the painful situation in which his country finds itself, with an increasing number of dead, wounded, and tortured people, and who thanked the Pope for the affection shown in so many ways and on so many occasions. A statement from the Holy See Press Office noted that, following the greetings from Major Archbishop Shevchuk, several of the assembled bishops shared with the Pope their stories of the suffering that the Ukrainian people are experiencing in different places and in different ways. The Holy Father listened attentively to their testimony and, with some brief interventions, expressed his feelings of closeness and participation in the tragedy that the Ukrainians are experiencing with a dimension of martyrdom that is not spoken about enough, subjected to cruelty and criminality. He also spoke about his sorrow for the sense of helplessness experienced in the face of war, which he ascribed to the devil who desires to destroy. Pope Francis turned his thoughts especially to the Ukrainian children he has met. They look at you and have forgotten their smile, he said, adding that this is one of the fruits of war, to take the smiles away from children. Finally, Pope Francis recalled the example of Jesus during the Passion, who did not remain a victim of insults, torture, and crucifixion, but bore witness to the courage to speak the truth, to be close to the people so that they would not be discouraged. This is not easy, the Pope said, but this is holiness, and people want to be saints and teachers of this way that Jesus taught us. I'm Devin Watkins. Pope Francis has said, I've been to the heart of Asia, and it's done me good. He was speaking during his general audience yesterday, reflecting on his trip to Mongolia last weekend. The Holy Father said it was good for me to meet the Mongolian people who cherish their roots and traditions, respect their elders, and live in harmony with the environment. They are a people who peer into the sky and feel the breath of creation. Mexico is decriminalizing abortion nationwide. The country's Supreme Court issued the ruling yesterday saying in the ruling that the penalization of abortion is, quote, unconstitutional since it violates the human rights of women, end quote. Laws on abortion were previously left on a state-by-state basis with 12 of the country's 32 states already.